Hey everyone, welcome back to the PC Perspective Podcast. We're at episode 745. It's October 18, 2023. I'm Sebastian Peake. I'm Jeremy Hallstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. Despite what you may have heard, this is not AI-generated. I'm Brett Van Spurnberg. And I am certainly not artificial or intelligent. I'm Kent Burgess. Although you can't see our hands. You know how AI struggles with fingers it's and true. hands? Mm. So to, to prove to you that this is not AI-generated, I will show you my completely normal-looking hands and fingers. You can find out how to support us uh, financially by going to patreon.com slash PCPER. You type that into your web browser. You can use your phone. You can use your computer. And uh, then you just click, you know, support or whatever the button's called. And just, you know, just pay us as much as you can, as often as you can. And uh, it will help us. The bar is set relatively low for a special mm. message from Josh. So yeah, anything. Just jump. Just, jump. Right you want you want to mention you want your name here? Then you just go ahead and you know subscribe. Or, it's all know, much appreciated for the folks who continue to do so. So thank you very much. Yes, uh, you're keeping the lights on. You're keeping the RGB lights on. We actually have the return of the true burger of the week. Yes. It is. I actually got one this week. They they had another mac and cheese special. It was a it was a sweet chili mac and cheese and I just I just couldn't do another mac and cheese. I needed a burger. So, I didn't have a burger special, but I'm I'm told there are more coming. But for now, I got the Plainsman. I've I've had this one before and it's it's truly a spectacular one. It's a little uh, messy as you can see and I tried to pull the top off, but it was just, you know, too squished in its wrapper and it just didn't want to, it didn't want to be presented without tearing it apart. And I didn't want to tear it apart. But what you see is a single smashed patty smashed into onions covered with roasted green chilies topped with a generous portion of American cheese. And on top of that, a chipotle ketchup truly is a simple masterpiece of, of a burger very tasty and of course i haven't eaten dinner because i don't need to after that giant mess but the new uh the new buns are great just letting you know and the fries were were primo this time let's move to the pc perspective news desk and our top story is of course intel 14th gen i mean people can't stop talking about this um it's like the second coming Second coming of of the 13th gen, as a matter of fact. Yes. Uh, if you haven't watched it, by the way, check out Gamers Nexus review of, I think it was the i7, 14700K, where he did his ridiculous <clears throat> intro with the lens flare and the plant. It was very good. And Many different actually, angles. We had our hands on a 14700K via a Falcon Northwest Talon that Kelt and the gang at Falcon were uh, kind enough to send in advance so we could do some testing and check it out. And honestly, this is the one interesting processor of the 14th gen because it's the only one that really changes. It's got more E-cores, more L3 cache compared to the previous i7. Everything else is pretty much the same, except the 13900KS is called the 14900K now. 
which honestly, yeah. and Kent, let's talk about this because I know you're a 13900KS owner, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. It was a little bit more expensive when it launched compared to the non-KS. And it was limited run. It's not easy to find. It hasn't been easy to find for months. When I did... right. My, the last time I went looking for it, people were asking nine hundred to a thousand dollars for it on eBay. Yep. And mm. now you can buy the mainline fourteen nine hundred K and get the same thing, except it's actually just a little bit faster. I wonder if that comes down to them just improving the thermal interface material or what they did. But I did a bunch of testing with the fourteen nine hundred K versus the thirteen nine hundred KS over the last couple of days and it's it's consistently just a little faster than the KS for some reason from from what i saw and i, I actually looked at several different reviews uh, and it it was definitely the 14900k was definitely faster than the 13900k and it was maybe 1 to 2% faster in some situations in some testers than the K 13900KS i saw a couple of reviews where it was almost identical um now they have added uh, a new thing where they can adjust the the throttling voltage by core now which is, uh, okay. is new yeah um but I think they have improved the efficiency somewhat just based on, you know, taking all of the reviews I've seen and mashing them together. Um, it seems like it's maybe just a little better than the 13900 KS. So if you were on the fence about that KS or if you missed your window to buy it at its original MSRP, rejoice because you're getting a slightly refined massaged version of the KS and you can At just a reasonable buy price. Yeah. It's under 600, I think is the MSRP. Yep. So if you want to go Intel, just ignore those 7,800 X3D benchmarks. They don't, they don't <laughs> exist. Just stay on an <laughs> Intel platform and that the K it's, it's yeah. got it. And actually the core i7 for gaming, it's, it's very close. I did some of those gaming kind of CPU scaling benchmarks a little bit. But uh, you will see in a moment. I will quickly cover the Talon, though, because this is a new design. I did not realize this before I was informed. This is slightly different than the last time I looked at a Talon. It looks the same in pictures until you start to look at the back. There's an option to have an additional 80 millimeter intake fan. Mm -hmm. And it feeds air directly in to that intake fan on the bottom of the... Uh, 40 series. Okay. It seems clever. As long as you're yeah. not using those expansion slots, that fan, you know, it takes the place of a few of them down at the bottom <laughs> there, but it's optional. But I won't I be able to use my sound card. That's what I said. I like in the review, I said, I'm yeah. that weirdo who still thinks, you know, PCIe sound card <laughs> and PCIe capture card, but most people wouldn't be affected by that at all. No. So it might breeze over your SSD heat sink too. I had been looking at doing that in a chassis recently as having a, a fan positioned there as an intake to bring air in. Um, and, I, you know, I'd ended up water cooling that system so it wouldn't have affected it any. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think that's a great idea. I'm glad that someone has jumped on it and someone that has a much better reputation than I do. 
your your builds are awesome but i mean <laughs> do you uh look at this look at these cables though look at these cable mod oh, yeah. individually sleeved cables <clears throat> so neat you got two yeah. takes here you got kind of the build and the falcon northwest as a whole but what did you think of this of the cpu tell us more about the 14th gen i will in a second calm down all we right. all need to all appreciate right. this atx cable look at look at this yeah the arc of the cable it's really remarkable. But we've looked at Falcon Northwest systems before. We know what it's all about. Let's It's bloody let's, perfect. Let's get to the uh, the specs of the system. It was the Core i7 14700K, a 4090 Founders Edition on an Asus Strix board. Interesting, uh, they went with 96 gigabytes, so two 48 gigabyte modules. And these were huh. pretty fast for that capacity. DDR5 6400CL32. Oh, hmm. And nice. Gen 5 storage, because, you know, why not? Uh, here's some some basic tests. I just ran a few on Intel processors because I don't have the uh, yeah the X3D. Chaos. I don't I don't have the X3D. Although I've been trying to fake one. We'll talk about that later, maybe. Uh, <laughs> so the 1400K just ahead of the KS somehow, just slightly. It's but it's so negligible. Yes, but it's there. Okay. Uh, the right. 14700K, a little bit behind, obviously, has fewer cores. This is a 8P core and then 12E cores. So it's 20 total cores. So it's four cores fewer than the 900K. And if you look at... These aren't really gaming tests. They're just like synthetic scenarios to see if there's any CPU scaling. Time Spy, again, the 700K, a little bit slower than the 900K. Uh Clock speeds are, are the issue there. If you want the six gigahertz that will give you the absolute highest Intel CPU performance in a gaming benchmark like this, you're going to have to get the 900K because the 14700K only goes up to 5.6 gigahertz with Turbo Boost 3.0 technology. Turbo Boost Max 3.0. Here's Cyberpunk. 192 and a half frames per second on average with no image scaling. At 1080 high for the 14900K. The KS, uh, essentially 189 and a half. So <clears throat> you're getting three frames per second better at 1080 high with the 4090, which is pretty exciting four, stuff. Four frames at the 1% low. I think you left out the big numbers. Oh, okay. Well, actually, yeah, there it's it's just better. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that mm-hmm. performance. And not at all a rounding mm-hmm. error. Actually, the 1400K and the 1300, uh, 1300KS were both tested on the same motherboard with the same memory, same OS install, everything. So those are, there's a real difference, a negligible one, but it's real. Well, Metro's the interesting one because that's one of the two games that supports the Intel application optimization, which, uh-huh. as you can see, does huge amounts of things. Well, yeah, you're gaining like two to three <laughs> frames per second. Well, I do see the 1% low as actually yeah. 13900KS is uh, slightly yeah. beaten the 14900K. Uh, Not appearing mm-hmm. on this chart, and uh, I it was too late for me to put it on, but last night I finally came up with the results with the 7950X3D that we have. I went into the BIOS and disabled the CCD that does not have the 3DV cache on it, and... I went ahead and ran some gaming benchmarks after verifying that indeed it was just an eight core CPU with 96 megabytes of L3. And it was staggering. It was so much faster than these numbers that I was like, no, <laughs> FSR was on. No, DLSS was on. No. Cause like in cyberpunk, it went from 192 to like 
223. Oh my. Like, oh, okay. Well, Metro, that's more GPU bound for sure. And then Metro <laughs> was basically the same story. So it's like, oh, this oh. is significantly faster at 1080 high. Which is the consensus if you look anywhere that tested that CPU yeah. as well. It's it's the X3D is still beating him. It's it's the gaming CPU to get. The 7800X3D has replaced the 5800X3D as the go-to ultimate gaming CPU. Josh, didn't you just finish a build with that CPU? Yeah, I, I helped uh, some friends <clears throat> build one that they, they uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago they got a hold of me and well, a couple of months, and and I had I had specced out a uh, NX three D fifty eight hundred X three D forum, and they didn't buy, didn't buy, didn't buy, and then they came back and was like, "Well, are there any other better deals?" And I thought, "Well, now's a nice time to <laughs> do the seventy eight hundred X three D." And uh, other than the motherboard is a MSI Mag six seventy P Wi Fi, I think it is, and. Uh, the BIOS is a little bit older, even the latest one on the on the site. It was uh, August, but still installed that. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, other than kind of a slow initial boot, you know, if you go from, you know, cold and dark, push the power button, uh, it may take 25 seconds for it to actually get to that, you know, kind of initial BIOS screen. Mm. But once there, it just was seamless and easy to install everything and everything ran and games were glorious and they the memory were just training so ecstatic well. what's that the memory training went well yeah apparently it did so they they ran you know 1.35 volt uh you know 6000 from g skill that is uh what what is their epics i can't remember what the stinking trident z yeah. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the uh, the the memory training that AMD does that they have it. Oh, Expo. Is that called Expo? That's it. Yep. So that uh, it did, you know, went up to the speed it was supposed to, and uh, yeah, they've been loving it. They liked it so much they decided to upgrade the other computer as well to something very similar, except with a forty ninety. Must be <laughs> nice to have money. <laughs> And it's not going to be Look held at it, back. You can't. Yeah, it is not. By the way, the 14th gen, this is the first time in many years that you've been able to use the same motherboard for three generations of Intel mm-hmm. CPU products. Wow. They don't tend to do that. <clears throat> no. And the last time was X299 because there was the 10980XE. And, sure. and that was a rebranded price reduced 9980XE. So kind of the same story here because they they re-released the 1300KS at a lower price and called it 14th gen. I think Drabauer said in his video that it was, the last time it was actually three truly different generations was socket 775. I thought you were going to say socket seven, but those those glory days are gone. The ability to buy one board and use any manufacturer's CPU what a what an amazing time to be. That's it. Let's go back to slockets. Very quickly to wrap this up, 
The one kind of interesting thing about this is even though there's only a slight performance drop with the i7 versus the i9 and any kind of gaming workload, even all out, all cores at 100% in a workload like Blender, it's only pulling about 250 watts instead of, you know, 320 plus, which is what you get with the i9. So it is more energy efficient because there are fewer cores and it has lower clock speeds. So that's the magic, the magic formula. You want to have Intel 13th or 14th gen with lower power, just lower the clocks. And also, you know, the voltage. And and, and per core throttling. You know, yeah, that, that's yeah. that's useful. It's interesting. I should look into that more, but there's just so little interest uh, out there in this launch uh, that unless you're clever and funny, well, like Gamers Nexus so does, I don't think you're going to create very compelling content about this. <laughs> So going off someone else's review and talking yeah, about yeah. Steve here. Uh, so he got about the same results of you for that uh, 14700, right? Give or take, if you remember. Sure, yeah. Okay, the uh, the 7800 X3D was running at half that, like 125 watts. Oh, yeah, the power draw yeah. was amazingly different. Yeah. 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 That's just silly. It's silly what AMD is doing, and it's awesome. So, the Talon, very impressive system. Of course, the build is uh, second to none. The processor itself, I was unable to come up with any kind of award level for it, so I invented the More E Cores Award. <laughs> so, I bestow our first ever More E Cores Award, which I didn't have a graphic for, on the Core i7 14700K. Well, you could also add a thank you for not cranking the price up on a refresh. Yeah, they're not in any position to do that. Well, that's fair, but that doesn't mean they wouldn't. Right. So it's nice to see they didn't. So what is this about MSI increasing? First of all, (laughs) the graphics. I thought you were going to say reducing. Okay, it's increasing the throttling temp of the CPU to 115. You know, if 100 was good. If 100 was good, why not, why not allow 115 to eke out all the highest scores? Because it'll set so, your yeah. dinosaur on fire. <laughs> so MSI's got a, uh, a, a absolutely fresh uh, BIOS update for, I believe it's their 600 series. Oh, no, sorry. Seven, 790. 790s. 790s. In order to take your 14th gen CPU... 215C TJ Maxx. So they won't throttle you until you hit that unbelievably high temperature. This is just the board people are going to need to set the highest scores. Wasn't it enough? So the in- go ahead, Ken. Sorry. So the interesting thing about that is if you go back and look at the, the Intel specs page, the 12900KS TJ Maxx from Intel was listed at 115. Um, which was very interesting that they did that at that point. And as, as a couple of reviews I read at the time stated, you know, if this can go to 115, that sort of means that the rest of 12th gen can do it as well. Um, I don't really recommend it, but it's interesting that Intel did list that processor at 115 degrees. For 14th gen, you said 12th. <sighs> well, that's what I, it, at the it was twelve nine hundred ks. So oh. the other twelfth gen could do that as well. 
and it which seems you know makes sense because there has been no these. architectural change no. since 12th gen right so right no all right well that's just insane i don't know why you'd want to do that but i mean higher no, clock high scoreboards high well, scoreboards right if you're doing liquid normal headroom yes, absolutely it's exciting Okay, let's talk if about doing AMD. liquid nitrogen. Though you would never come close to those temps. No. Well, no, of course not. No. So I guess it's pointless. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about AMD. Oops. So we talked about AMD Anti Lag Plus being introduced with a recent driver update, and there's You're you may cheating. have noticed some stories uh, and some social media posts about people being banned. For using these new drivers in multiple games, most famously Counter-Strike 2. So AMD's response was to pull it, and they have a new driver, 23.10.2, which removes Anti-Lag Plus. Yes. Oh, it also un, uh, it, it, it fixes the issue it's been having with uh, Chromium-style browsers, where all of a sudden the screen just stops responding. The, the Ooh, system is harsh. still fine, and you're not cranking up any uh, workload. It just stops working. You hit Control-Alt-Delete and you're back to perfect. But yeah, Kredge and uh, Chrome were having some issues on certain of the systems, like mine, until you did the uh, 20.10 or 23.10. Hmm. The, the reason so behind this turns out to be somewhat interesting in, the, in mm-hmm. that they were actually modifying the DLL either in memory or on disk. Yes, they to- were. To wedge in this this anti-lag. And this was clearly a a reason why the anti-cheat was kicking on because modifying DLLs and drivers is a classic way of doing cheats. So I'm I'm sort of fascinated by why AMD felt they needed to do a runtime change to a either in-memory DLL or an on-disk DLL. Why didn't they just compile it properly to be able to do like runtime switching in code versus a self-modifying mechanism? So I'm sort of like interested as to why they did that. Storage is cheap. Programmers aren't. Mm. I mean, how True, long did SR3 <laughs> take to, you know, make it after announcement? So they're they're still just catching up. It was not ready. the The one thing that came from this for me was actually having to study and learn a little bit about the difference between what NVIDIA does and what AMD does. And apparently, NVIDIA's is a completely separate library, and it has nothing to do with altering the game engine itself. Yeah, this is hacked in at runtime oh i said it i said it hacked in i yeah i meant that that's exactly what they were doing <laughs> this was the nefarious and people were i don't know i i, I struggle with uh, this idea of how do you if you if you want to cut down on any and all lag uh it at some point bypassing certain elements of the game engine would get you more direct access to control but why don't you just bring in some of that magical negative latency? Just do predictive input. Yeah. You know, we figured Google was the ago. master at that. Harness the and power they have, of AI. They have slunk back into the shadows. Now, uh, was this just flipping a few bits to, in order to, to direct the hardware to do something specialer? You know, who knows? Yeah. I don't know. So they have egg on their face, at least in the, you know, gamer community. People have been posting about this for days now, but 
it's gone. Anti-lag plus, uh, hopefully gets rebooted and they come up with a new solution. But I don't see any way for them to use the technology they've developed mm. ever again. They have to start over. Now, why don't no, they just they're, come they're up with a real driver? lag plus, plus, plus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> By 14th a, a, gen, I'll have it really. A real driver <laughs> would have solved this problem. A real, a real driver that incorporated code paths that legitimately <laughs> figured out which way to go would have been the. Okay, you sound Jeremy's really dismissive. Made, what do you mean a real driver, Brett? A real driver. But Jeremy's making the same joke he made five minutes ago, which is programmers are expensive. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move to the next news story, which is that Microsoft is backing off on OneDrive gallery storage. Well, uh, you, you'd figure that they would have learned from uh, previous decisions to try and make something that was totally free into something that is paid for. Uh, but they don't. They, they never do. So the free version of OneDrive, which if you've ever plugged a USB device into your computer recently, You've noticed that it immediately sucks every single picture it can possibly do off of it unless you cancel it or constantly disable it because it re-enables every time my OneDrive updates. So Microsoft, for the longest time, has just said, you know, the, the OneDrive gallery doesn't count against your 5 gig free. And then they also started, you know, uploading attachments automatically if you're using free Outlook so that the attachment is no longer in your email client. It's on your OneDrive. So... What this means is that a lot of people are skirting that five gig limit just because they get emails. And by boom, making it so that the OneDrive gallery now counts against your storage limit, people would immediately be over. So no more backing up and constant emails about, hey, why don't you uh, sign up for this this uh, sale? Or, oh, you can just pay for the whole year. It's a little bit cheaper than what it would be if you did it month by month, yada, yada, yada. And so they've, it's been a few months now and the deadline was October 16th when this flip was going to happen. Well, on the 13th, they suddenly changed their mind. <laughs> we've, uh, we, we received some negative uh, responses to our communications as of, uh, how we were going to be changing the OneDrive. So yeah, they, they kind of realized that a lot of people were just going to say, you know what? You just annoyed me. There are a million and one cloud backup providers out there, half of which I'm signed up for whether I want to be or not. So why don't I just <laughs> get rid of you and go to one of those that isn't going to provide this wonderful benefit? So yeah, no worries anymore. It's it's for now. You know, give them a year or two, they'll probably change their minds and try it again. But yeah, it's it's they will figure this out though. eventually. No, they will figure out a way to get you eventually. When you subscribe to Windows as a service, eventually. Yes. Oh, absolutely. How big of a hard drive I mean, do you want? Because you're paying yeah. per month for your virtual hard drive. Yes. As we all should. Yes. <laughs> Would you like to download a faster processor? <laughs> download more RAM. It's real. It will become real. It yes. It will happen. And I hate it. What slice of this VM do you want to pay for? Because exactly. virtu you'll virtualize the hardware and the software. It's perfect. Yep. They're wearing away the difference between what's vir what's virtual and what's local. So We're all right. going back to dumb terminals. <laughs> We're literally all going back to dumb terminals. It's going to yes. happen. They were ahead of their time. 50 years ago. They were wise. 
Our next article, this one comes from Windows Central. Exclusive. Windows 11 is active on almost half a billion devices ahead of Microsoft's expectations. This almost sounds like PR. It does sound like PR. It's a little bit behind Windows 10, however. Oh, it's still an adoption oh, yeah. rate. <laughs> Windows 10 was had an, a faster adoption rate. Okay. But perhaps yeah. that was just because there was free upgrades from 7s and 8s. It's, it was because of the, the start menu. It was, okay, Windows 10. Boy. Was we the new know. Coke debacle all over again? This is my conspiracy mm-hmm. theory. They come out with okay. Windows 8. It's new Coke. It's the new it, start experience. Eight. The whole screen. Eight, eight people, were, people were falling over themselves Files. to install these third party tools to bring back the start menu. And then <sighs> Windows, they cave. Like Windows 10 is going to be a free upgrade, guys. We brought back the start menu. Yes. Amazing. The adoption, the forced adoption with Windows 10 was is unparalleled. Windows 11, underwhelming. Look, I've already got my start menu back. I don't care. It's like DVD we versus know Blu-ray. It's Apple. I've already got DVD. I don't need. What is this Blu-ray? I don't care. It's another disc. <laughs> DVD is good enough. Apple start menu now. It's in the center for one thing. Yeah. Well, I think also another part of it is that uh, we all knew the uh, the teething experience of Windows 10, where yeah. We were essentially beta testers. And so, yeah, it's taken a while for Windows 11 to, to reach this point, but not nearly. Yeah. Yeah. We all learned our lesson. But it well, they're getting activations better. of 400 million monthly activations now. So apparently Windows They're selling new PCs. Now, new companies are selling new everyone. PCs. The biggest That's problem with adoption of Windows 11 was the TPM requirement. Mm-hmm. From 2018 boards forward, so yes, yep, that's that's your issue right there. I agree. I mean, not all of my machines here can even move. even yep. run 11, so I don't care. No, we finally hit the point where now we're starting to move towards Windows 11 at work because you know <clears throat> this year kind of slowed us down because not much purchasing, but we're finally to the point where enough of our deployed hardware is beyond 2018 that it actually kind of makes sense because otherwise mm. you'd be supporting one small little group and then a big group as opposed to being able to spread it out. So Microsoft, yeah, sad. Microsoft's next trick in 2024 sometime is, is Windows it Windows 12? 12? Is it 12 or is yeah. it 11 dot something? Or I don't no, think they're doing the dot again. I think that was just because they oh, would, okay. wouldn't release a nine. Eight Maybe they'll one? take a... No, maybe they'll take a uh, note from a bunch of uh, video games that have been released recently, and it's it'll just be Windows. Oh, oh. yes. Hmm. Nice, nice call, Jeremy. It could happen. <laughs> yeah, it'll never have a number again. It, but... It'll just be Windows. What's the story, Jeremy? Give me the narrative. This we could be creating the marketing for them. I mean, if they follow the the method of their own gaming brand, it would be uh, Windows One, mm-hmm. or yes, it could oh. be just Windows and, One. And you didn't. It's not a number. It's O N E. Correct. E, yes. Right, because there's already been a Windows One. Windows right, Zone. The, the digit one. Windows Zone. Yeah, no. Windows mm. Uno. Windows on. I wish that wasn't likely to happen, but I sort of believe in you it. You know, it's yeah. But I hear it'll have a bunch of yeah. AI, a bunch of AI parts in it. That'll be great. Great, yeah, can't wait. 
Let's move on to a Josh news story. Josh, uh, I know you're a racing enthusiast. I am a yeah, small racing enthusiast. There's a story uh, you about don't... Fanatec? Yeah, Fanatic. Oh, sorry. It's a F- nice German company. Fanatic. Yeah. Okay. Fanatic. I have heard Fanatic. it both ways. Yeah, me too. But, you know, we're English speakers, so yeah, who I knows? Fanatic what makes more sense. I apologize, I apologize yeah. for my ignorance. It's quite all right. So anyway, uh, it looks like uh, the direct drive is is just becoming that much more common. I mean, Logitech's got one. Thrustmaster introduced theirs about eight months ago. And uh, Fanatic uh, has several, um, some really high-end stuff. And then they got into a lower 5 newton meter and a a boost pack that that raised another one up to 8 newton meters. And those uh, start at $199 uh, when you buy it with a wheel and pedals uh, directly from Fanatic. But they they needed something else in between that really high-end and the low-end stuff. And this is it. It's the Club Sport DD. And it comes in at, I believe, uh, 12 newton meters. And uh, that's a pretty solid... I mean, the, like the Thrustmaster is, I think, 10 newton meters. Uh, but it's a constant. And this is 12. And it's also a constant. And they're going to have an upgraded one uh, in a couple of months that will have 15 newton meters of force. Um, they put all kinds of extra little things in there and, and micro vibrations so that, you know, you're getting the big force feel, but then you can also feel like if you're rev- revving the engine, you'll, you'll feel the revs uh, behind that. I mean, it's just uh, a lot of technology in there, a lot of software. Um, they've been doing this for years and uh, it's a nice addition to their lineup. And at 699, it matches uh, the Thrustmaster T818, which hopefully I should finish that review here in the next two weeks and we can get that uh, posted because that, that was a fun one as well. And uh, hopefully uh, Fanatec did, you know, Fanatic did uh, contact me. We'll see if I get into a review or Ooh, not. But I'm not nice. holding my breath because, you know, my luck this year has not been fantastic. But, you know, it still would be. Nice and it's again, it's it's a nice uh, and, and well, like also they've they've got a new quick release that is super stiff oh. and it's damn near car grade in terms of uh, how much force you can apply to it. So it's a uh, it's a really nice uh, update uh, for their entire lineup and only at six ninety nine. That's uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, tempting if if you have a uh, fanatic ecosystem and they do have. Um, ways to swap out uh to the older version um of the quick release so it's uh it's available with uh, even older um rims this is a next level josh it's not for people who take their steering wheel out of a box no no well i well, mean they do but, but i mean you, they may can you injure way. your wrists with these yes. things okay <laughs> yes so yes yep. oh, that um, level of mm. power all right yeah, there, okay. there, there are people who have noted being, you know, ten to twelve to fifteen, that they're in a race and they're focused, and somebody sideswipes them, and they didn't see it coming, and uh, did not let go of the wheel, and have you know like sprained wrists or broken oh. fingers. Or broken That's thumbs. realism. That's realism. <laughs> it, it really Sacrifice is. for your art. And that's why yeah, well, esports belongs in the Olympics. <laughs> that, that's yeah, why you yes. get a military <laughs> exemption for esports in South Korea. Yeah. Yes. But uh, TA18, <laughs> the Thrustmaster, it actually has a setting in the driver <laughs> that you uncheck it and says, 
you know, I, I see that this is going to go over 70% of force and I accept all the risks of me doing this. <laughs> Whoa. So T818 yeah. sounds like a killer from the future, by the way, just it, it kind of does. Let's move to security corner. And our first story is uh, Cisco iOS. And of course, they were the original. We've talked about this before. There's there's iOS and then there's iOS. Mm. iOS XE. Have you tried turning it off and burning it? <laughs> People asked for a perfect 10. Well, you got it. Here is a perfect 10. It's like the second one, though. Well, it's the second one in as many weeks. I yeah. know. WSFTP well. was the other one. Yep, which also you should just turn off and burn as well at this point. Uh, yeah, there are okay. other Yes, choices. please continue. Now, this is, is awful in two ways. One is that this is a day zero exploit, which affects anything running the iOS XE software. Now, you do have to expose either the HTTP server or HTTPS server feature to the internet, which is a no-no, but it happens. Sometimes you forget to turn it off. Sometimes you were forced to do it. Sometimes you needed it for a little bit. Cisco figured out that there was something wrong when they noticed some strange traffic and, you know, thousands of switches and looked into it and said that, oh yeah, no, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a day zero out there and we're not quite sure what's going on here. Uh, disable this, but you know, we think that, you know, a couple of thousand people maybe have been affected. Well, no, that's complete and utter BS. Uh, a couple of uh, places like Shodan, oh no, they can ping over 80,000 infected units. What is the infection? Well, it it's complete and utter control over your network because they oh, get that's in why with it's the a highest. Yeah, they get in with the highest level of uh, access, more so than even most admins would have. They can create themselves a local user because if you re if you bounce the switch, that access will go away, but the local user won't. And there's ways to hide that local user because you don't really browse around the local users on a Cisco switch so much. So we're looking at you know a huge amount of known infected. God only knows how many unknown infected. And they also didn't mention that the first detection they had was September 18th. So this has been going on for over a month. And Cisco just decided to tell us about it, you know, a couple of days ago, as in like Monday. And uh, essentially under... Uh, they lowballed how many infections there were by almost uh, an order of magnitude. And they sort of lowballed uh, just how bad it was because then as people are looking into it, once the attacker is in, they can actually exploit a vulnerability which was fully patched two years ago. And Cisco's scratching their head about this one because they fully patched it. But yet, if they get, this guy gets access to it, they can actually exploit that old CVE to again, get back into it over and over and over again, even if you bounce it to get rid of the access and find that local user and kill it. So yeah, this is a nightmare, an utter and complete nightmare. So set it on fire is real. Yeah. yeah like just burn it. Cause you don't know at this point, you don't know. The next story comes from bleeping computer over 40,000 admin portal accounts use admin as the password. 
Say it as that'll probably also be the username too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, username admin, password admin. Yeah, (laughs) say it isn't so. Oh, it's true. It's so true. You know, the numbers are only forty thousand. Sounds like a lot. Seems low. Look at they took a look at a two million. You know, forty thousand. It doesn't seem like so many now, right? Oh, the point uh-huh. here is is that so many people rack stuff and connect it to the internet without actually going in and changing the default credentials or, or setting up something absurdly weak. One, two, three, four, five, six, you know, as root or password as Swordfish. a password, admin, admin, one, two, three. You know, there's an entire chart of these just stupidity you know, going on and on and on. So if you're a network admin and, and you have charge of this sort of stuff, just go in and audit your your gear and make sure that you're not part of the problem. If you're racking this stuff, for God's sakes, fix it, man. You have yeah. responsibility here. Do the right thing. Change the default passwords. Stop the world. I want to get off. Yeah, but what's, mm. what's the fun of that? I mean, if you don't have a PF sense and, and, and don't keep the 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 default username and password i mean why are you even still employed i mean everything's going to be fine internally you gotta you gotta i mean you're, you're building yourself some some uh some job security through yeah. insecurity my voice is my password verify me nobody knows where that's from oh yeah. yes we do we do uh, you guys do sneakers This story comes from Security Week. Microsoft improving Windows authentication, disabling NTLM. In the feel-good story of the week. That stands for not that lucky mother, right? (laughs) Jeremy, no, it it was new technology land manager. And it was new technology 20-some years ago. Uh, But it hasn't been for a while because it is essentially insecure by design at this point in time. And they, Microsoft has been begging you to move off of it since what, like 2014, 2015? But and even today, course, queries will fall back to it. So, yep. So they're finally killing it. They're taking it out back and drowning it with the bath in the bathwater, and it needs to be done. Well, what they said is there were a couple of features that were only supported by NTLM, unfortunately. They did always have a choice between, uh, I think it's Ker- Kerberos and yep. NTLM, but Kerberos didn't support a couple of features that NTLM did with authentication. They're finally getting around to adding those missing features so yep. they can now kind of do away with NTLM. And the problem with NTLM is they could be brute forced and listened in on, as you were saying, oh, it's God. insecure by design. So it wasn't back then, but for God's sakes, change your password. No, that yeah. won't, won't help you. <laughs> no, but do it anyways. Just, just because. And do it often because there's yes. always a breach. But, this is an applaud for Microsoft. Microsoft is trying to oh, this is a good improve one. something. This is, this is the feel-good story of the week in Security Corner. Let's move to gaming quick hits. And the first story comes from Ars Technica. Microsoft, of course, has completed their Activision Blizzard deal. $69 billion. I think this started The only time it's not appropriate to say nice with that number. Because <sighs> this is bad. This was more like a, how do you guys feel about this? I mean, they're kind of owning, they're owning some really sizable IP now in, in the gaming space, like 
<laughs> a ton of stuff. Microsoft has promised to be nice, especially in the Xbox uh, you know, <laughs> arena. As well, they have promised to continue things such as like um, what Call of Duty with Sony. You know, that was part of the deal. I don't know. What do you guys think about this? We'll never get another Battletech game again. Okay, that's probably true. Enough about Mega Corps. Let's look at Humble Bundles. Often a great way Aww. to get a whole bunch of other games that you'll never play in your Steam library. Or I assume For it's not Steam. much money. Is it Steam? Yep. Is it Epic? Okay. Well, GOG, you know, it depends on how okay. you run your uh, games, but sure. Yeah, it's, it's usually Steam or GOG. Hey, Alan yeah, Wake, Alan timely. Wake. Alan Wake 2 hey, coming soon. So get the original. And it yep. being around Halloween, if you like horror games and you've never played Alan Wake, get it and play it. Yeah. Oh, definitely true. So this is a bunch of sort of like a horror or fright themed games, Tormented Souls, Hidden Deep, Pathologic 2, Moons of Madness, all for $25 or less. So take advantage of a humble bundle and and get some get some scare on for yeah. not a lot of cash. Or if you want something new, don't ever scream. Because this is <laughs> an amusing next. game. Yeah, this is an amusing That's, game idea. Yeah, it's actually I, I love this, all this it, idea. I think it's a brilliant idea. <clears throat> it's called Don't Scream, because if you do, you start over again. So this is a really short game, they say, less than 20 minutes to, for a playthrough. But what the game developers do is they make you tune in and turn on your mic so that they can detect whether you have some sort of muttering or scream or, or just scare. And if you do, they will reset your play and you need to start over. So it's a short game with an interesting tweak to it. This it seems like it'd be fun. rather easy to uh, fool the game. Maybe, maybe not. Well, like your but, microphone right no. there, Brett, you can just tap on it and it mutes itself, but it still presents itself to the OS as an active microphone. That is true. I imagine you could probably fool it. In That's that like way, using anti-lag plus in Counter-Strike 2. You just shouldn't <laughs> I actually that. recommend <laughs> using anti-lag plus while playing Don't Scream. Because. However, they they probably <laughs> sample the background noise and take that as a as a noise floor. And if that ever disappears, they know you've muted your mic. Oh, okay. that's what I do. So if I was to inject a noise yeah. like a white noise profile. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is, this is a little yeah. bit more sophisticated. Here in that. Anyway, this game Freak, is supposedly like scary a... enough to make you scream. So you know, dive yeah. in. It's the time that time of year. Get don't scream. You could get like a 20-foot USB cable for your mic and put it in another room. <laughs> Make sure you well, have like a box fan going so it can get Because it. it wouldn't <laughs> yeah. detect the weight noise in the background. Yeah. yeah. Play a really low or a really high frequency. and Virtual That's audio fun. cable as a mic, then loop in some noise. I oh, don't there think... you go. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The concept is to become slightly immersed in it and have fun with it. It's a very short game. It's only like 20 minutes. 25 minutes minutes to set up, but I can beat this 18-minute game. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, what if you can't? What if it's so compelling? 
you know what? Move on. It's this game is not for you then. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's move to the reviews portion of tonight's show. And I know we already talked about that Falcon Northwest Talon. But let's talk about something uh, for the ears, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and I'm wearing them right now, and plugged into it. Oh, Drop, who refuses to just stick with keyboards, although they're very famous for them, have gone to the audio site to the point where they even make a turntable. Don't know if you knew that or not, but there is a Drop turntable. But what they will do is they'll pair up with uh, another company. And make a combo. So in this case, it's the Drop and X Duo TA84 vacuum tube amp. And along with it, they sent some Drop and Sennheiser, the HD6XX headphones, which are as open as you can get without actually not having a driver in them. I'll see if I can show you them in a bit. So, hey, this is a very nice uh, OTL, uh, which is output transformerless tube amp for really high impedance uh, headphones it's designed for between 100 ohm to 600 ohm so if you've got low impedance headphones it's it's not really worth even playing for and i'll mention this since uh the audio listeners you don't see this picture but don't touch tubes with your greasy fingers tubes get warm tubes pop when you're playing with them make sure you've got a nice clean cloth or gloves or something because otherwise you're going to be a little bit more annoyed than uh, you want to be because all of a sudden you're listening to something and all of a sudden pop and vacuum tubes don't go quietly or cleanly. So yeah, take care of them. If you're going to play with it, if you do like tubes, the sound of tubes, you know, you're, you're our age and you grew up when the height of rock and roll was going. And most of the guitar players were doing tube amps because those are the frequencies that these really, really love then it's kind of fun to be able to pick one up. They're they're sort of $400, except they should be going down to about $350 or so. Uh, Drop wasn't quite sure, apparently, whether or not these would be well-received. And so they did like this limited run at a a low price, and then they went back to pre-order, and they're going to do another run. And if they do well, then they're going to keep going. That makes sense because in the, the sort of $330 to $400 price range, you do have a lot of competition for tube amps because tube amps have come back a lot. There are a lot of people that like them. I Not only are they sound lovely, if you've never heard of tube amp, you've got a very flat curve. It doesn't do the weird uh, peaks when, when you're doing digital audio when it hits a certain range and it just can't cope. And so you get a squeech or a, just a drop. No, this is analog. It doesn't care. And then the other nice thing about them is that they're pretty. I apologize if the mic makes some noise. And, oh, I am going to have to turn off a light. No, it's it's pretty nice looking. Yeah. So you can't quite oh, yeah. make out all the tubes, but I mean, it is a pretty it's little nice. thing. Pretty hefty. It seems like a chunk of metal there. Uh, yeah, it's it's probably running around uh, three or four kilos. The only thing that would be better is, is if they were glowing orange. Well, they are. It's just that I can't get this place to dark enough to be able to show you. Uh, it is a understand. subtle glow. 
you can see how I tried to capture them with pictures and also frustrating. I see it. I see it. Yeah. But you've got a nice glow on the, yeah. the bottom and the top. And nice. what these are is two power amp tubes, the EL84s, and two preamps, the ECC82s. Now, these are able to be plugged in via USB. And you do not need a driver for anything. You just plug them in unless you're a very strange person and you're still trying to use a very ancient codec, which honestly, no one needs to use to direct stream digital anymore. So don't worry about the driver. They'll also go in through RCAs. And the interesting thing is that on the back, not only is it a headphone amp, you can also run two powered speakers off of this if you want to go that way. You can't do both at once. You got to choose. And again, there's, uh, you also have a, some fairly physical things about this because, hey, it's a tube amp. So if you're toggling between RCA or USB, there is a toggle on the back. If you are going for the gain, the high-low also on the back. But honestly, you'll pick one and you'll stick with it. Also has a voltage switch so that you can uh, take it overseas if you so desire. And the knob on it, oh, it's a step potentiometer. It takes a little bit of effort to to turn it. It is a very, very nice knob. It's probably one of the best things that Drop did about this thing. Because it So it has uh, detents as detents? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's, cool. It's yeah, it, it's really nice. Overall, I mean compared to some of the other, like I say, compared to some of the other things like uh, from shit and other audio file companies that are just pure audio file, you will probably find something a little bit better. On the other hand, for what the pricing that they're charging for it and just the overall look of it, it, it's dead simple. It's black metal. It's got two glowing or four glowing tubes on it. It's kind of really nice. And the other thing they sent over was the headphones. And I don't know if you can really see, but it's that open. You, you can literally see through the thing. My finger is there. And we're not getting any um, strange feedback into your mic, actually, either. No. Well, that was because I was moving <laughs> it around. I, I was worried that I'd knock it. So uh, the Mass Drop Sennheiser HD6XXs are nice. The, the, the Vlur cups are wonderful. It's got a nice firm sit on your head. The, the padding on the top is great. Uh, the overall THD on it is pretty nice. It likes the highs and the lows, but, uh, you know, that's sort of to be expected. But the, the frequency response, except for one little weird drop towards the high end, is pretty much flat. Perfect for what you want with the preamp because you're getting a nice a flat sound. And the other fun thing, which I didn't realize about these uh, specific two drop Sennheiser uh, headphones is they're essentially completely and utterly user serviceable. If you don't like the drivers or the padding or the outside, you can literally buy parts, pull it apart yourself and replace it. So I think that's, you know, an interesting addition to uh, a set of headphones that, uh, I mean, again, this is borderline audiophile, so they're 220. Uh, they're on sale for 200 the last I looked, US. The idea that you can tear them apart, put them back together again, however you want, any 
piece of them is kind of nice. So I'm going to say overall, I mean, it's been a long time since I've owned uh, a tube preamp. I just don't sort of do it. So at 300 bucks, I mean, it is a bit of an investment. You get them for 240. Hey, that's pretty nice. And the other thing is that we tried it uh, along with these Sennheisers uh, is a 900 power, $900 pair of Neumanns that uh, upstairs neighbor has Chris. And wow, uh, that's it. It can really drive those too. Those are only about uh, 100 ohm resistance. These are 300. So there, there's a bit of difference just in the, the physicality of it. Uh, and for someone asking, sorry, I didn't mention uh, the headphone cables. You've got uh, either an RCA or a proper. Uh, come on, brain. Where is it? Eight to three point five millimeter. So oh, three point five. I was going to say phono. The phono one is the larger one, but yeah. So you can do phono or you can do three point five. So yeah, it's it comes with an adapter. It's USB-C on the back. So if you've got a Thunderbolt machine, it, it, I'm interested to see if maybe it would sound a little bit better. I, I don't know that it really will. And yeah, no, I'm just glad that they sent these over. It's been a long time since I've uh, had a chance to listen to music on tubes because I really do like it. But enough about audio. Enough about audio. What about Pharaoh? So this is a new Total, Total. War game. Yeah. And... The, the thing about Total War and uh, trying to come out with a new game right now is that they did something absolutely insane with Warhammer where all three games are now one game, which is kind of crazy. And it's, it's, it's ridiculously broad. And so it, it's sort of hard to pry people away from it. And then the other problem is that uh, Creative Assembly has done so many of these they, they, they span from, you know, the ancient, a very ancient history, uh, Rome and such through to the colonization of North America and the Napoleonic Wars with just about everything in between in a variety of different locations like Shogun. So how do you make a new total war game? So what they've done is go back to the bronze age, which means that you've got very limited troops. There are literally four factions you can play and the southern factions are more spearmen and archers and the northern faction a little more sword and axe and club plus shield with a bit of archers now eventually you're going to get chariots but this goes back to one of the old older ones uh like rome to an extent although with the, the marius revolution it all of a sudden there were all of a sudden neat troops but more medieval in the beginnings of a campaign where the difference between one swordsman and another is not big, but there is a slightly, one is slightly better at one thing and one is slightly better at another thing. And so it's, it's really micromanaging the battles to be able to get a little bit of terrain advantage, put one of your basic troops against another one of the, uh, against one of the AIs that, uh, you have a slight advantage and that's how you win because it just keeps the battles go. Uh, apparently they're pretty tough back in the bronze age. Like if you run away from battle, you're pretty much dead anyways. So why not stick around and just fight out the battle? And because some of the lower 
tier troops are relatively cheap, the AI likes to spam them. And you will be surprised by how many armies that they come out with. To add on to that, they've added a whole new resource management where when you're building buildings, instead of just throwing out whatever currency it is, you also have to build stone and you have to build uh, wood. And so each of the buildings do that plus a workforce. And the workforce builds up over time in your settlement, except as it does, so if you're going to build something, it needs three idle workforce. So you got to wait until you have three idle workforce. But the nice thing about idle workforce is they contribute to unhappiness. So your cities are, as they get larger and as you're waiting to be able to build more and more things, also become unhappier. And there aren't many buildings that can actually fix unhappiness to the amount that you want. So you get to deal with a lot of revolutions and such. It's it's kind of a very different take on what we've been having for the last couple of total wars. There's enough new, when you first walk into it, it's like, yeah, this is just total war, whatever. Yeah, after about five or 10 turns, you get the whole idea that they're doing a cyclical thing because the Nile runs on a cycle where it goes from the floods to, and then the floods recede and you've got fertile soil to grow your crops. And then the floods come back and you've got no food at all, pretty much. And so they do that sort of thing with missions and with a variety of court intrigues with specific uh, benefits that each faction can get uh, to a point where fairly early in the game, you have to pick between which of four focuses you're going to do for your entire Civ. So you could actually replay these four, four complete different ways. One way you choose to do monument building. Hey, monuments give your civilization a huge amount of benefits, but everyone else wants them. So you've got to maintain garrisons to stop them from taking them to, uh, if you want to be world war focused, focused, then there is one that, uh, lets you essentially pick a capital that you're going to attack and give it negatives and you positives for when you eventually do attack it. It's interesting enough that if you're bored with whatever you're doing right now in total war, I would recommend it. It's an, there's enough going that eventually once you get into it, you are okay. I'll just do one more turn. I'll just do one more turn. And the, the, some of the scenery is absolutely gorgeous. A little bit better looking than I've seen in, in some of the other total war games. On the other hand, if you were fully enjoying whatever total war you're playing at the time, I don't know. I'd hold off, wait and see. There are some AI problems. Uh, if you, or sieging a city and you just sort of stand it. Oh, I, I totally forgot weather. Thank you for flashing that up. That is the other brand new thing they brought into this. The only thing that total war has done similar to this was back in medieval two, when they let you do the night battles. And so you came in with torches and there were a lot of different things. You, you, you didn't have as much line of sight, but you were pretty obvious. On the other hand, you could ambush people pretty nicely. So in this you're in Egypt, so sandstorms not only make it so that you can't shoot your arrows as far, doesn't slow you down, it also slows you down, and you're taking damage constantly. Do you bargain to uh, wait and hope that the weather changes before you attack, or no? Because, hey, if you're matched by another group of people that are huge archers, well, hey, maybe that sandstorm is actually better for you. Same with rainstorms. Uh, excessive heat means everyone gets tired. So there, yeah, there is enough in it to make it unique. If you are bored 
with what you're playing right now. If you're quite happy with your Warhammer, I don't know. I, I'd sort of uh, hold off on it for now. It's it's entertaining, but uh, yeah, I hate to say it. As much as I love Total War, it's it's sort of getting to a point where it's like, what can you do now? Except, you know, Medieval 3, which would be amazing. It is time for Picks of the Week. Josh, please get us started. This is so shocking. I know you're going to be shocked by this pick. After Intel released their next generation stuff and after my personal experiences with the CPU, yes, it's the Ryzen 7 7800X3D. It is (gasps) an excellent all-around CPU. I mean, yeah, you don't get as many threads as uh, you will with other options out there. But if you're not doing something that, you know, requires all those threads, this still is great. I mean, 16 threads um, and you've got not just 32 megs of L3 cache, but another 64 megs on top of that for a whopping 96 megs of L3. And, uh, it, you know, it's rated at 120 watts, and it appears to stay just kind of a right around there. That's the one thing about, you know, slapping that L3 cache on top of the chip. They have to be a lot more uh, sensitive about where uh, they heat up that chip because, obviously, that, that cache is, is going to kind of fail if it gets too hot underneath there because it's producing not only its own heat, but it's transmitting the heat from the CPU underneath it to the uh, heat spreader and then heat sink. So, yeah, no, it it just works great in pretty much everything. And if you do any kind of games and that is your primary focus, the 7800X3D is is really the best overall chip that you can buy. And now it has a, a fairly mature platform to be in. And it doesn't have nearly the issues that we saw in the past year. Uh, now, you know, AMD, I feel that they have fixed it with their motherboard partners uh, quite well. I was going to pick it, but I'm also sad because it's not 350 anymore. 384. I know. It was, it was uh, last week. It was 350 bucks. Now it's back up to 384. So keep a watch out for more specials. I think there may have been a little bit of a run on them in this past week, um, especially after today that probably... Some people who are sitting on the fence just waiting to see what exactly the 14th gen would deliver. And sadly, the 14th answer is not gen, much. it delivered a higher number, which looks better when you're specking out a PC on a website. Like, oh, it, oh but this is 14th does. gen. Six, okay. Oh, six gigahertz. It's not really a consumer no. product. I bet that we will be seeing some really good prices on 13600Ks very soon now. Yeah. Yeah. And that is an excellent and gaming the, uh, solution for sure. It is. And I I think the 600 is, you know, yes, I've, I own two 900 series, but um, I think the 600 is really the sweet spot for, for the majority of gamers. If you're going Intel, um, the 600 series, you know, it's six, six performance cores, really all you need for 99.9% of the games out there. Um, they don't use power. They're easy to cool. So, and I, I've, the, the 12, 600 K has been under $200 for a couple of months now. I think we'll see tw- uh, 13, 600 there very soon. That was our rebuttal from the Intel fan. 
on the podcast, not a rebuttal. I'm just <laughs> saying, if you have to go uh, in, that's where you have to go in. Okay, if you have DDR4 memory and you're saying, I am not, I bought 64 gigs of this stuff. I'm not upgrading to DDR, DDR5. Intel, even with 14th gen, you can throw that on a motherboard with DDR4. So there, there's the appeal right there. I guess. Save money on memory, I guess. Even though DDR5 has gotten a lot cheaper. Jeremy, uh, your pick of the week. Oh, this is not necessarily a physical pick, but it is utterly hilarious, but not quite worthy of a story. Two years ago, uh, the American FCC implemented Stir Shaken, which was a color ID, ID authentication technology which was supposed to stop the robocalls like Josh had earlier tonight. And so they've not bothered in the last couple of years to even enforce it in any way, shape or form, but they did go back and make sure that everyone of the telecom companies that contacted them did at least submit a plan as to how they were going to implement stir shaken. And they received such wonderful things as a Windows printer test page, a picture of what looks like leather, uh, somebody there's a, a slide deck, <laughs> a slide deck from the yeah. company's uh, Marcom this is uh, their, communications. Yeah, yeah. So this is the uh, plan that was submitted to the FCC about how they were going to implement stir shaken and prevent robocalls from happening. Uh, another one just provided a certification from Harvard Business Services Incorporated. Blank uh, pages uh, were submitted, uh, single yeah. like signature pages, and some were just nonsensical pictures of random objects. <laughs> yes, uh, from uh, a small tech or a small telco company in Alberta up here in Canada, they got a fax with the company's business address on it. Uh, and and oh. that was it. The, 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 literally, there's one that says, unfortunately, we do not have such documents. And, and that was their application. And so they've been happily spamming you for the last two years. But as amusing as this all is, it does mean that all of these providers are going to no longer be able to access the American Teleco system because they're going to get blocked. So maybe, just maybe, our robocalls will go down a little bit, which would be nice. They've given them a reprieve, though, Jeremy. They're allowing oh, them yes. to resubmit. Oh, uh, it just wish that the, sometimes I just wish the law was the law. In this case, it was like you know what the law says we can cut you off. However, it's been that two years that, since the law said you could cut them off. Just block that, and ask questions later. Let them pay mm -hmm. a huge fine. And then a fee to reapply and just make a load of dough off of this. Wait, I'm just, just unleash Sylvester Stallone on him. Well, <laughs> we could do that. I am the law. I am so used to the Canadian robocalls, though. You know, well, what would I do without them? Maybe you can help them uh, make a plan that sounds good, but doesn't actually do anything. Brett, maybe you could pick something instead of... You know something. what? I think that I will. 
Your pick this week, please. I think there's a number of people out there who really wanted a fully programmable living room remote. And the high end of that market was the Harmony remote. And that was done by Logitech. Unfortunately, Logitech is exiting this space. There's still Harmonies out there, but the support is going to be dying off. Again. Sorry, Jeremy. Go. What? Oh, again. Again. But anyway, the, done the, the support was key because you have to be able to put that new device into the Harmony or else it won't understand Absolutely which true. input the receiver has to be on. No, I'm pretty sure true. the Harmony is the third time that they said, we promise we won't abandon it this time. And and yet they are definitely exiting this market. So what is a couch commander to do? There is a few options out there are a few options out there one of them is this device that was kickstarted it's called the sofa baton there's a couple different versions of it one that does not have essentially a retransmitter and one that does and they range in price from about 60 dollars to about 180 dollars or so the second link is uh, the one with the retransmitter that's more fully programmable they've come with different screens they have an interface to your phone They work off of the web that you can program them. They will interface with common uh, devices in the home, like Alexa devices. This is kind of like the last way to to do this in a fully programmable way. Um, The prices aren't as high as the original Harmonies were. I'm going to try one of these myself uh, just to see how far I can get with it. This is definitely kind of like the last retreat for people who want to be able to program and and work all of their devices from their couch. It's IR, it's Bluetooth, it's Wi-Fi. So there's ways to interface with Apple TV and I'm sorry, go ahead, Josh. Do do you know that was developed in Boca Raton? No, I didn't. I didn't actually. Okay. You've heard of the the Sofa Baton. No, I'm lying. Sofa Baton. I didn't know. (laughs) Sofa Baton. So no, from it, Boca it a, Raton. It, yeah, anyway. It was but, a Kickstarter like, Can I project. offer you something different? Please do. Completely different? Do you remember Ryan's, what was it called, Couchmaster? Yes. <laughs> oh. Was that no. MSI? I can't remember. No, it was, it was the, the, the big plank that had two yeah, cushions. Did he have off. an ironing board and then he replaced it, it seems, with this Corsair thing? Uh, all or right, is it Logitech? Let's be serious. But, but what let's you do is serious. just get a Couchmaster and and glue <laughs> your remotes to it, and so all your remotes can be in one place. You just put that on your lap. True, you will never lose them if they're all glued yeah. to a board. You know, consumer yeah, electronics control phone. has reached and a nerdy tech Couchmaster for a lot of people where you kind of don't need more than one remote. My wife is perfectly capable of turning on everything and turning everything off with the Apple TV remote because the receiver turns on and it's on the correct input automatically. And there's a sleep button on the Apple TV remote. When she presses that, it turns off the receiver. And, you know, I did have it turning on the TV and turning it off too at one point, but there was an issue there. So I ended up turning that off on the TV itself. Actually, I have a specific problem with my particular layout that this style of remote 
could solve for me with a couple of macros in turning. Most of my switching actually is pretty good. It actually, it the receiver pass through kind of works automatically depending on which input I'm doing. I agree with you that that's actually a good call. Certain power on power off could use a little sequencing. So that's the that's the tough thing like about that. the harmony. And I had one. I still have it somewhere in a box, but it became mm-hmm. uh, difficult. And my friend who tried to set his wife up with one also had the same issue where uh, there's a certain amount of commitment you have to have to holding the remote kind of steady so it can send all of its commands out. Yeah, you can't be- just because the it's TV doing a macro. Start because doing, uh, the receiver no. didn't turn on this time. Well, you didn't yeah. hold it long enough for the TV yeah. and the receiver exactly. to turn on. Because you're sending five, six, seven commands at once. That's where I didn't have a repeater. If I'd had one of those, like, you know, IR repeaters pointed down to the other Mm -hmm. devices, and it would have been a lot smoother, but... That's why the more expensive version of the sofa baton comes with a repeater, so you can just keep, you know, just whatever with it. I I get it, and I totally understand, but it's not not 2000 anymore. Like, this Mm -hmm. pretty much has been fixed by consumer electronics control. It doesn't work with everything. And the PS5 still likes to go, like... Uh, battle the Apple TV for control. Yes. It'll flip back and mm-hmm. forth between the Apple TV and PS5 input. So I finally just turned off CEC on the PS5. But other than weird issues like that, like I can hit the volume up button on anything and it turns up the receiver volume. You know, they can change channels. It's just, it's. That's, that's not, I wish that was the case in my house, but it's not. Do you have maybe cable it's, maybe it's or satellite TV that's provided by something other than a streaming service? I do have cable, but I watch it through an app. Okay, so it, it can be an app on a on an Apple TV. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Or I feel or like Roku. It, yeah, I feel like I it's both. it's complicated when people have that dedicated Comcast or some other box, mm-hmm. because that's those things are so antiquated. That no, I got rid of the box uh, years ago. Yeah, see, uh, in the YouTube chat, Uninfluenceable says, modern Onkyo and Integra receivers have perfect CEC integration. I only need the Apple TV remote. Even after I turn on the Xbox controller, the receiver changes inputs for me. Yes, it's it's amazing how good it works. Something about the Apple TV, too. The remote seems to... Uh, True. My, but my current Yamaha needs just a little bit of help. It mostly does the switching great, but I, if I just could consolidate just a couple of functions and just oh, just get rid of all the remotes that okay. aren't needed okay. and just say, here's one remote, that'd be great. Just do, just do what the cool people do and just have a living room PC with a keyboard and mouse on the coffee table. Yep, that makes sense. I'm, yep. I'm okay. really surprised at how little pushback I've received from doing this. <laughs> I have a you, full you size. That? Yes, you I have a full that? size keyboard and I'm mouse impressed. wireless on the IKEA coffee table, and uh, the eleventh gen Nook Extreme with a thirty sixty or something in it is it's small enough that it fits in this little nook. <laughs> it fits in a nook uh, in the <laughs> cabinet, and uh, yeah, that's connected to the TV. So I switch over to the PC input and just do computer stuff on the living room TV. And it's glorious. So, uh, do, you, do you know what really blows my hair back? Uh, Nothing. Memorex. The oh, there's so many answers there. Memorex does. <laughs> Wait, what? Base, hair? 
<laughs> the base couch master is $150. This is a real that product? Is, you've Oh, yes. did you know what? what? Oh yeah, I posted the couch it. master? What? The oh, couch yeah. master. Okay, I'm going to Nerdy Tech. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, yeah. oh my god. Yeah, the Couchmaster is, is real. It's, the Couchmaster Psy Psycon and the Psypunk. Oh my god. Okay, We're valid point. Someone in, else. Valid point in the chat that streaming services the resolution when you're watching on a browser is lower. That's true. But browser streaming oh. sucks. That's true. It does. Other than YouTube, I don't know what the, the other services. Oh, it's just come not on. the same. Do you not like the old '80s arcade interface for typing in what you're searching for? That's death. I just yeah. use voice for everything with the Apple TV remote, like it, like a normal person. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, More pick. Kent. Kent, your pick of the week. So, you know, normally I try to stay for something that is a little lower price. That's a really good deal. This item's not really cheap by any stretch of the imagination, but it is a really good deal right now, especially with modern graphics cards able to push higher resolutions to higher speeds all the time. This is actually $10 less than it was when I picked it two hours ago. Um, this is a full QD OLED ultra wide 3440 by 1440, 175 hertz Samsung monitor. Normally it's $1,500. It's $989 right now. I, I mean, there's really not much more to say than, than QD OLED. 175 hertz, full adaptive sync, 0.03 millisecond response time, gray to gray. Yeah, because it's OLED. It's OLED. If you want the um, best response times, don't play around with LCD. With that OLED. You're saying my plasma TV's got slow response time? Or, you know, if you just, <laughs> it, you know, I mean, you know, we interact with our games via keyboards and mice, but, you know, our primary interaction interface with our games is the monitor. If the monitor looks better, you're going to be happier until you die in the game. But, you know, you're going to be happy looking at another lead, especially a high quality one like this. Somebody in the chat instantly razor, uh, OLED burn in. That's they're never going to get away from the, the stigma. <sighs> it's going to take a generation uh, it's not an iPhone 15. Okay, people. That one has terrible burn-in, by the way. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It, it does. Yeah. It's it's a good thing I don't have one. Yeah. I think that'll do it. I think that's our show. It's uh, after midnight on the East Coast as we yep. record this, and it's time for bed. I mean, people have to get up in the morning, take kids to work. Uh, <laughs> take kids to work. Take kids to school. Uh, <laughs> there's take it's, kids to work days. It's, run take, it's take your daughter to work day, I guess. Right? That's so, every day. Leave there for eight hours. Uh, no, that's not happening. <laughs> I'm taking my son to school in the morning, and that's that's all. Uh, he's not going to learn how to run benchmarks at school. He he's shows so little interest in what I do. 
It's, it's really not even funny. Yeah, he's he doesn't care about the hardware stuff. Well, I'll, something will come in the mail. I'm like, hey, Julian, guess what this is? He's like, a video card. I'm like, yeah. And the other day, when the 14th gen stuff came in, there was a box on the table. I'm like, guess what this is? And he stares down and he sees the Intel logo. He's like, a processor. I'm like, yeah. And then I took it downstairs. It was the end of our conversation about it. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. My my youngest oh my son, gosh. who I thought would be most into computers, is he plays Rocket League, and as long as it plays Rocket League, he doesn't care. Though my other kid, he did buy his own motherboard and storage, and I helped mm-hmm. him upgrade that. So getting some interest in there, and it's trying to trying to keep him. My well, son's only eight, so maybe as he gets older. Uh, it took a while. It took until him... he was 21 yeah. before he was interested in doing his own computer stuff. Have him help you build one or something, maybe. I, I've, I've I have. Oh, to, you have. To, to I haven't successfully gotten him interested in doing that yet. Yeah. Has he no, decided that girls it. aren't yucky yet? <laughs> Are girls still yucky? <laughs> He's just not, he doesn't 21. seem to have much of a interest in socializing with them. But I don't think okay. he's so yucky either. So in about five years, that will change. No, yeah. okay. When then, when he was assigned, then, there were three options and, for his second grade teacher when he was assigned, uh, whichever one it was. I was like, uh, he, we got the name. And I'm like, oh, what do you think of your teacher? I don't know which one you wanted. He's like, well, I got the prettiest one. So I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, well, that that's, oh, that's, okay. that's all that matters. All right, then. So apparently, uh, yeah. He, he has preferences already. So in about five years, you know, all that will matter to him until he's about 35. <laughs> you think it stops at 35? Okay. No, somehow. No, yeah. hmm. It slows down a bit. It slows down a bit after marriage. Let's face it. Wouldn't all right. That, uh, that, let's, that can I have an outro from though. somebody? Kent, Josh? Sure. Kent? You know, it's a great time to buy computer hardware right now. There's some great products on the market. A little more expensive than they used to be, but, you know, it's a good time for gaming. Unfortunately, we do need to say good luck and send our best wishes to Gordon. um, Who it's been announced that he's he's, uh, in treatments for cancer. So, you know, Gordon, if you watch or you hear about it, Good luck, man. We wish you the best. And everybody out there, the same thing. Good luck. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Thanks for watching. Yeah, on a serious note, yes, Gordon Mung from uh, Maximum PC and PC World and mm-hmm. a legend a in the PC things. community is battling cancer. So that sucks, obviously. Never had the opportunity to meet him, but he seems like a really damn good guy and a genuine person. Yeah.